Okay. Who's the host? I'm the host. Who the host? She's the host. host. <laughs> I love it. Oh Yay. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm still a little tired, but I am making it. I'm going to train today. I had some coffee not too long ago. Posted a transformation. Feels lit. Life is lit I right love now. It. I what love about it. you? I love to hear it. Yeah, doing pretty good myself. Posted my own little like transformation with reels, which are actually like a lot of fun to make. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah, those are always cool. And plus, like you feel like such a badass with the music too. So you're like, mm. like mm-hmm. Rocky fucking Balboa, just like running up the steps, hitting shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that one. Absolutely. All right, guys, we were talking about PCOS. So I know we're talking about like kind of like anti-inflammatory diseases, like um, essentially like autoimmune diseases and PCOS is not technically like an autoimmune disease, but it is pretty closely correlated with um, Hashimoto's actually, which is like obviously what we talked about kind of like in our first series. So we wanted to touch on PCOS because it is unfortunately very prevalent in not only with what we do as coaching, but then also just like in the world. And so we wanted to dive a little bit into like, what is PCOS? Like, what are the symptoms? Like, what are the health risks that are involved? And essentially like how you can go about not necessarily correcting PCOS, because if you have it, depending upon the type, it is something you're going to have to support, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be detrimental. So we're just kind of going into the, the health implications and how to kind of address that and go from there. E. Yay. So essentially what is PCOS? And essentially it's like this hormonal disorder due to overproduction of male hormones, such as like testosterone and other type of androgens, which is going to prevent ovulation. And so you might have inovulatory cycles, you might have missing cycles altogether, you know, your you know, luteal and follicular phases might be a little bit messed up. So it's kind of difficult to diagnose because it's not necessarily a disease, it's a syndrome. And because of that, it has a different variety of possible conditions. But one commonality of PCOS is having an overabundance of immature follicles on the ovaries that rarely release an egg. And so if you do like an ultrasound on your uterus, you might see kind of like a string of pearls, which is kind of like one of the diagnostic criteria for PCOS. Um, mm-hmm. But it is important to understand that there are different types of PCOS that we, you know, see as coaches. And we're going to dive into like those different types and why they happen. So the different types, um, it could be passed down genetically um, at, or excess insulin increases testosterone production, which can lead to the production of cysts on the ovaries. Um, there is insulin resistant PCOS, which is most common. Um, and these are, this is the condition that I've worked with, um, specifically with my athletes. Um, so it's important to see fasted insulin values in order to get, uh, like get this properly diagnosed. Um, there's also inflammatory PCOS, which is another pretty common condition. And you might see it long-term, um, inflammation is caused in the ovaries because of that overproduction of androgens. Um, And when you have inflammatory PCOS, you want to work on inflammation, um, but it never like entirely goes away. So you have to circumvent with lowering a lot of stress um, and making sure that your stress levels are optimal because stress equals more inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. Inflammation equals a lot of long-term health risks. So you do have to think about that. And then um, there are a couple more just 
kind of off the off the dome would be post HBC PCOS. Um, so long term uh, birth control lowers your sex hormones and basically stresses out your liver. Um, so it increases TBG and SHBG. Yeah. Which those are like the thyroid binding globulins and the, the sex hormone binding globulins as well. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because PCOS, one of like the hallmark characteristics is actually um, lower levels of sex hormone binding globulin. And so the reason why, you know, post-hormonal birth control PCOS is interesting is because, you know, thinking about the oral birth control and the stress of these like not bioidentical hormones that we see, it causes the liver to actually increase production of these binding hormones, which essentially when these bind hormones transport them, if they don't let go, you're going to have lower sex hormones. So what happens is your body compensates and now you are overproducing, you know, a lot of hormones, specifically androgens during this time, leading to, you know, a relative high amount of androgens in the blood kind of self-inducing this PCOS, which is why like, it's important to look at the different generations of hormones that you're using because some, you know, first, second, um, level progestins, um, which are those fake progesterones can actually be more androgenic than, you know, the third or fourth generation, which is why it's important to kind of talk to your doctor, talk to your, uh, your gynecologist about, you know, what birth control you're being put on and why, just so that way you can advocate for your health. Um, so even when you decide to get off birth control, whether it is for your health, or maybe you do want to conceive, um, it's important to understand that it's, a, you need to support the liver during this time. And you might feel really crappy the first few months after birth control, because your hormones are flatlined, but then like three to six months after you might start to really feel like shit. You might, uh, you know, you might see like increased acne, maybe your hair and scalp is greasy. Maybe you start to lose some of your hair. And it's because these, you know, production of these androgens that your body's like, holy shit, I got to start pumping stuff out that you're experiencing essentially like a temporary PCOS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nasty it's business. crazy. It's crazy how like health practitioners will tell you that birth control is completely safe and short term it's safe. Um, but the long-term effects of it are not really discussed. And this is definitely one of those things that you need to consider um, after you come off of birth control, what could potentially happen, um, which is why we kind of harp on it in the physique realm, because you are, you know, you are essentially messing with your hormone hormones. So when people are against gear, for example, but they say nothing about birth hormonal birth control, it's interesting because there are like, yes, there are different types of effects that are going to come from both, but you're still putting yourself in a health risk um, at any time, anytime you are messing with your hormones. Um, so this is one of them. Um, so just for those that might be listening um, who are on birth control or wonder why we talk about this so much. This is one of those reasons. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And what's wild is like a treatment for birth control or for PCOS is to be put on hormonal birth control to, you know, control the hormones, which yeah, it's going to suppress shit. Like it's going to suppress your natural production, but you're not addressing the root cause. And so if you have insulin resistant PCOS, like a very common treatment is getting put on hormonal birth control to suppress the androgen production. And then also to be put on maybe like something like metformin to control, you know, the insulin resistance 
profile, which metformin is not like a bad drug. Like, you know, we don't want to demonize these prescriptions because obviously they're made with a purpose, but just know that when you are put on these oral medications, you're not addressing the root cause of why you need to be on them. It's just essentially controlling a symptom that you're experiencing. So, you know, another one is like, you know, a common acne medication to like control, like, you know, the amount of androgens on your skin. So that way you're not like having a bunch of cystic acne, you know, these things are fine for controlling that symptom. But if you want to understand why it's happening and address that root cause, you know, you have to dig a little bit deeper and essentially speak up for yourself. But mm-hmm. I digress. Um, mm-hmm. The last, you know, PCOS type that we see as coaches is it's called stress-induced or adrenal PCOS. And the reason why this happens is kind of going back to this stress state. When you are stressed, your adrenals are going to pump out cortisol. Cortisol is a cholesterol derivative, as well as testosterone, as well as estrogen and progesterone. Uh, you know, these they are all steroid hormones, and so as a female, like 25% of your total testosterone, and this is on average, these aren't hard numbers, but 25% are produced in the ovaries. Another 25% are going to be in the adrenals. And then the rest of your testosterone and other androgens are going to be from the peripheral conversion of DHEA into testosterone. So when you are highly stressed, your cortisol is going to be upregulated. You're going to be producing more of these androgens doing to the conversions as well as the extra adrenal production. And, you know, during this time, you're likely to see an uptick in DHEA from like a short-term perspective that could be a sign that your adrenals are overactive. But when we're looking at chronic long-term, when we're looking at labs, you might see actually high DHEA-S, which is that sulfate version. And that's essentially the reason why you're seeing um, these high levels of, you know, type of androgens due to the fact that you're just stressed. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we say it's an easy fix to be less stressed, but it's not easy. Like, obviously, if it was just as simple as that, like this wouldn't be an issue in the first place. Yeah. So like your typical symptoms would be like, long follicular phases, which lead to menstrual cycles over 35 days or just irregular cycles in general, and they will rarely result in ovulation. So uh, this basically what I see is a lot of like low energy levels do in this time, um, really feeling like shit and not knowing why there is so much irregularity with, with the period, um, irregular cervical fluid shifts, uh, and then excessive body or facial hair. Sometimes that happens due to the androgens, um, male pattern, pattern hair loss. So like, so a lot of like androgenic effects here, um, due, due to the condition, um, acne, same thing, um, obesity. So a lot of women with PCOS have a hard time losing weight. Um, and they wonder why they can't. And it's a lot of times it it is due to the condition, but also the stress, um, and the fact that they may be inflamed depending on what type of PCOS they're experiencing. Um, this, this kind of is, is a very common area where women are like, Hey, like, why can't I lose weight? And then they find out that they have PCOS. They also know and feel that they have low energy, uh, their low energy output in the gym. They can't uh, work as hard sometimes. And they also find that certain positions bother them. Um, especially certain exercises, um, infertility and all of those things. So lots of, lots of different symptoms you might see. Um, And I usually find with athletes, they can tell a difference in their energy levels and their ability to output, like just training intensity in general and their inability 
to lose weight starts to make them wonder or even put on muscle starts to make them wonder what's going on. Yeah, it's crazy, especially with that insulin resistance type, it can make fat loss very, very difficult, which is why like, for a period of time, you might have to do lower calories to help to reduce not only like inflammation when it comes to just from sheer digesting a lot of food, but then also helping the cells to resensitize to insulin. Um, and so like in some cases, like sometimes it's dropping to like very, very minimal carbs just to generate some fat loss. And so that way you can kind of get the body moving and then titrating up carbs as insulin and blood glucose improve. So obviously we're not testing our fasting insulin levels every day. We're testing fasting blood glucose, but in the case of PCOS, you know, what I found is sometimes like doing a carb cycling approach to help step them up. So that way their cells are responding better to insulin will result in obviously increasing their food, which is great because we want to rely on food for energy, but then they start to feel more energetic as well versus when their fasting blood glucose is so high, they feel so lethargic because mm -hmm. the glucose is not like the sugar is not in their cells. It's in their blood, just like doing fuck all, which is not helping them with their workouts. It's not helping them, you know, with their day-to-day -day activities. It can just be so, so draining. And then also frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then clinically, like you might see, um, enlarged white ovaries that have like a string of pearls on the surface. Um, when you get tested, you might see elevated androgens and LH levels along with, again, just abnormal ovulation. So if you were to get tested for PCOS, these are the things that you might be, uh, seeing during, you know, clinically. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately kind of like in the doctor realm, if you don't have a period, they don't do necessarily much digging. They might just be like, oh, you don't have a period, like here's birth control because it'll give mm -hmm. you a period. And it doesn't mm -hmm. give you a period. It gives you a withdrawal bleed, but that's a kind of a topic for another discussion. Um, Cause I mean, we could just talk about that for freaking hours and maybe we should, maybe we should talk mm -hmm. about that. Cause I think it'd be very important just to talk about women's health. But speaking of women's health, when it comes to PCOS, like it does depend upon what type of, you know, genetic predisposition you have to PCOS, what type of PCOS you're expressing. But as a general rule of thumb, it's easy to see obesity because like Britt was talking about, you are going to be carrying a lot of extra body fat around your stomach. And that type of fat is going to be a source of extra inflammation because it's, you know, something we have to understand is fat is, you know, it's an endocrine tissue. It's a hormonal tissue. So it's going to secrete hormones. It's going to secrete inflammatory cytokines as well, which is going to essentially trigger your, uh, like your immune response to address this inflammation. You know, mm -hmm. that's also marked by metabolic syndrome, which for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with that term, you can think of metabolic syndrome as like a bunch of conditions like insulin resistance that is going to increase your risk of heart disease, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, stroke, um, stuff like that, like extra fat around the waistline, which is like that Android, um, obesity that, you know, you might hear in other podcasts. So it's also marked by like higher triglycerides, higher cholesterol. So it's essentially not great, which is why mm -hmm. we want to make sure we're controlling for these things when we are focusing on our health. Um, mm -hmm. unfortunately it also increases the risk of certain breast cancers, endometrial cancer and ovarian cancer, which Yes, some birth control can help to prevent. Like I know when I was placed on birth control, my doctor was like, oh, it will reduce your you know, risk of ovarian cancer. But she also didn't 
explained to me, but it increases your risk of breast cancer due to the stress on the liver and how the liver detoxifies essentially your hormones. So that was Mm -hmm. also kind of frustrating from like a birth control standpoint. Yeah, definitely. I just find that, um, birth control is thrown out as like a band-aid to Mm -hmm. things. And mostly, I don't even know if it's a band-aid really. It's mostly to get the patients to be quiet. Um, and to give just, uh, honestly, it's just to give them, no, that's all, that was a great way to say that. It, yeah. It, it's just to give them something to make them think they're okay. Um, and that it will be okay. And it's not, um, unfortunately. So you really do have to uh, do your research on it and, and really, you know, make that decision for yourself. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that throwing a, a pill at you is going to, is going to help you with your issues with PCOS and things like that, especially since uh, it's a syndrome. So just, but instead what we can do is correct, right? So we can, um, we have some lifestyle support that you might want to utilize uh, if you are experiencing this. So one, um, this is good for coaches to just pull back on stressors, uh, reduce your cardio. So reduce your training, better stress management tactics, Uh, no screens before bed, even lowering your amount of time on your screen helps a lot. Um, I've done this. So I've given myself a cutoff time to be on my screens. And I find that my RHR is lower during those weeks. And I also find that my BG levels are lower because you have to understand that screens are stimulating Um, and you might not feel like they are, but they are. So something as simple as pulling back on screens or giving yourself a cutoff time on screens is going to help to give you better sleep habits. So basically pulling back on screen time equals better sleeping habits equals better stress management. Boom. That's how it works. Um, And then you can use dietary support, supporting the liver with phase one, phase two, phase three detoxification. Um, You might have a coach help you out with that. So think about estrogen aromatizing into testosterone um, and using a liver clearance to help out with that. Um, Mediterranean dietary support to lower your inflammation. You just need to make sure that whatever you're eating is not going to result in inflammation. So like, if you know, for example, um, like Mediterranean style is great, but like, let's say there are certain foods that just, they don't cause inflammation. Okay. Like you might be able to dip into them here and there. Um, but you know, it for a fact that I don't know, just throwing it out there, avocado or gluten, something that, uh, dairy causes inflammation. One of those things, um, pull those out. If you know, if you find yourself going up in weight the next day, if you find yourself feeling lethargic after eating something that is caught more than likely causing inflammation. Um, so you want to avoid those certain foods or those food groups. Um, maybe try a keto, like a keto style approach. This is where, so I know everybody that's listening is going to be like, what keto it's useful where like this and that, but this is to increase insulin sensitivity and it is temporary usually. Yes. Um, so you usually, cannot yeah. use it usually. Yes. Yeah. So this, you might use it to increase insulin sensitivity to kind of kickstart some fat loss. Um, you might do low, medium protein and carbs and higher fats, um, again, with the goal of increasing insulin sensitivity, and then you can increase carbs as you increase your insulin sensitivity. So you will need time to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really important to understand that like, like macros diet t- types of styles, whether it's ketogenic Mediterranean, these are just tools in the tool belt. Um, and like Britt said, like 
someone might not digest avocado well. So if you noticed you're like extra gassy or maybe you blow after an avocado, even though you've done your due diligence of thoroughly chewing, not being super stressed after me, like, you know what I'm saying? Like all the bare bones, free stuff, like take out avocado. But as a whole, especially when we're looking at inflammation um, types of syndromes like this, or just inflammation as a whole, we want to pay really close attention to our dietary interventions. It is really important just to understand the role that nutrition goes into helping to heal the body, which is why like during this time, I like to make a whole emphasis on like single ingredient food items, like, Mm -hmm. like really put a big emphasis, especially on things like berries that are going to be obviously a great source of fiber to help Mm -hmm. with, you know, that pooping, which is at a phase three that Britt talked about earlier, but then also it's the antioxidant properties mm-hmm. that they possess is going to be very, very great in helping with, you know, reducing inflammation, but then also helping with that insulin sensitivity as well. Um, um, we are going to talk about some supplements, but again, before we talk about supplements, it's always good to do lifestyle and dietary first because, you know, supplements are meant to do just that supplement the diet, not yeah. My cat Mm -hmm. is like up in my business. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to add as well. Something that I've done with my uh, PCOS clients is I'll give them a list of a few food groups that I need them to get throughout the day. Um, Mm -hmm. So I need you to get 200 grams of berries a day. I need you to get this amount of veggies a day from this, from this area. If I know that um, it doesn't cause them inflammation or digestive issues, I need you to have this amount of fiber per day. Um, So making sure that they understand the value of that. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they can eat whatever they want around that, but their, their micronutrient value is really, really important um, and so giving them their, their amounts that they need to, uh, ingest throughout the day and take in throughout the day gives them a little bit of structure. And then also giving them why we're doing that is important uh, so that they see the value and they make it a priority. Um, like, of course, yes, let's, let's avoid gluten. Let's avoid dairy. Let's avoid anything inflammatory. However, we need to get these things in, because mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of, especially with this. Um, a lot of avoidance with foods. There's a lot of, we need to avoid X, Y, and Z to prevent inflammation, but what can we add in? What can we add in that assists your ability to overcome this or to reduce inflammation, um, to make your life uh, a better quality? So it's something to think about as well. Um, Instead of thinking of all the things you need to not do when when you have PCOS, don't forget about the things that you do need to do um, because mm-hmm. that's going to increase your quality of life. And half of it is, is definitely your dietary interventions um, as alongside your supplemental support, but definitely your dietary interventions. Absolutely. Yeah. Those single ingredient, like food sources, berries, like any type of dark cruciferous vegetables to help with that liver, like that's going to be great. Um mm-hmm. Now talking about supplemental support, you know, obviously if we're thinking about general health first, we're thinking of a good multivitamin for not only having all of those vitamins and minerals that help with, you know, antioxidant support when reducing inflammation. We also want a good omega-3 that's going to be, you know, again, beneficial in reducing inflammation, supporting those healthier cholesterol levels, um, making sure that, you know, we have vitamin D in that as well, because that's going to help with, you know, a whole slew of you know, hormone support, um, we're thinking bone health as well. Um, and then when it comes to specifically like PCOS related supplementation, 
um, for reducing like antigenic activity is going to be salt palmetto that's been shown in research to really help essentially reduce that high antigenic, you know, symptoms of acne, oily skin, oily hair, um, facial hair, stuff like that. Um, we're thinking myo-inositol, which is really great for not only lowering inflammation, but also helping to improve insulin sensitivity. So you might see in like GDAs, which is another great product, you might see things like, you know, um, let's see, cinnamon, like banana leaf extract, like anything that's going to help with glucose utilization and improving insulin sensitivity. Those are going to be nice products to add in in like higher carbohydrate meals, just to help with your body's natural process. Um, mm -hmm. Another great one is curcumin. Again, that's going to be reducing that inflammation. You could use turmeric in cooking, although like the amount of curcumin in it isn't that great, but I mean, I would much rather use turmeric in your cooking and have like some variety and some flavor in your life than not at all. Um, so those are just things to kind of think about when it comes to you know, helping to support your body's natural process while you have PCOS. Um, and honestly, a lot of the things that we talked about are really good for absolutely anyone um, to do. Like what we're talking about with lifestyle support, dietary support, like eating your veggies, eating your fruits, like eating things that digest well, going on walks, not doing like, you know, Tabata classes 14 times a week. Like all of these things are really, really important just to have a good sense of quality of life, lowering overall stressors um, and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like everything that we're talking about is basically what you should be doing normally. Like it's basically like normal health practices. And I think that sometimes PCOS is, is, is exacerbated because we're not doing our regular maintenance for ourselves. So I call these things like maintenance. These are maintenance things that we do for ourselves to make sure that we stay in tip top shape, whether or not we have any hormonal conditions or any medical conditions. Um, but when you do have hormonal and medical conditions, these are of most importance. Um, mm -hmm. These are things that you kind of don't want to miss. These are things you want to make the top of your list priority. Um, and, you know, we do these generally in the, in the physique realm, but I think in the lifestyle realm, there is some discrepancy on what do, what am I supposed to do? What is important? And this is, this is where you can listen and say, okay, I know that these areas are important specifically for what I'm going through. Um, if I want to progress my physique to circumvent, you know, the issues that I have throughout the day. Um, and yeah, so that's it. Yeah, not me. only like, not only like with your physique, cause obviously, yeah, a lot of these are physicals, but then also your long-term health, like, yeah like making sure that you are lowering your risk of heart disease, stroke, cancers, like, you know, that's mm -hmm. just thinking long-term here as well. So not only are you reducing, you know, those risks of all those diseases and cancers, but then you also look good and you feel good. And like, mm -hmm. we all want to look and feel good. right. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. the goal for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm guys, sure. that's going to wrap up this informative episode next week. We have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who, but it's going to oh be, God, it's gonna oh, it's going to be real fucking cool. It's going to be excited. so fucking awesome. I'm excited. So I'm if so anything, excited. you got to the, the last part of this, please be excited for next week. Cause we actually know what we're doing this time. Uh, we're not just trying to figure it out. We know who's coming on next we, week. We did figure it the fuck out. Maybe that should <laughs> be like a, like a, a prequel or a sequel to figure it out. We figured it the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. See you guys. Well, Peace. Peace.